God's doing a, a, a new thing here among us. And I'm so glad that you're here today to be a part of that. I will caution you, though. Um, things will not always be as they've been today. We're going to we're gonna be doing things differently here at first before we settle into a routine. So if you really like what we're doing, we'll probably change it. Just saying. No. We... we um, we want to make you aware of uh, small group opportunities that are going to be starting this week on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have three groups, and we've basically divided you in geographic regions. So you'll be in a in a um, group near you, um, hopefully. And all of that information will be had by Andrew after the meeting. But let me just highlight: we'll have three groups, and initially. The, the Mount Hope Fayette County contingency will be meeting at my house. Um, there are some Raleigh County people in there, but if you're thinking you're on that side of town, you may, you may get sucked into my group. Um, uh, Moon and I will be meeting, since we are both on that side of town, Moon and I will be meeting at least initially at our house um, in Scarborough. To let you know, Plum Orchard is really where we are. If you can find Plum Orchard Lake, you can find my house. Uh, the, the Shady Hinton Daniels Bunch will be meeting in Daniels at Josiah's house. So, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not in Daniels, are you now? He moved over to Beaver. He just squeaked over the Justin Beaver line there. Um, you older folks, I'll explain that to you later. <laughs> Maybe not. Probably not worth it. Um, we, uh, the group that is in Crab Orchard, uh, MacArthur, all the way out to Helen, you can guess who that might include, um, we'll be meeting at Andrew McKay's house. So that is in um, Crab Orchard, sorry, couldn't think of the name of the city. I've only lived here for 30 years or something. Um, so that, those small groups will be available. Um, and we have placed people into small groups. That's not saying you couldn't get an act of Congress to get out of it if you don't like people, but if you've got to get out of your small group because you don't like people, maybe there's some issues. <laughs> so um, think about that before, before you uh, protest too much. Um, children, um, we, are, there, uh, we already mentioned, made mention of this. They're invited to be a part of this meeting uh, today. We are going to have, for children seven and under, we're going to have a program that will run concurrently with our preaching time. So uh, feel free to make yourself, uh, to avail yourself of that with your children. More details about that as they arrive on my desk. So um, we haven't got all the, the kinks worked out of that yet, but there should be a program um, available next week for children seven and below. And Again, it's not a hard and fast, absolutely the day you turn seven, you can't go in there. You know, if you've got an eight-year-old that you really feel like needs to be a part of um, that program, you know, feel free to, uh, to talk to Andrew about that. Andrew is the person to talk to about that. He is in charge of, of uh, children and children's ministry, so see him about that. Um, if you are interested in becoming a part of uh, the music that we're doing here, um, you probably know who to see, and that's Jason. We're very interested in letting people use their musical talents to service. I, I, I hope that we um, are able to include people, and that those will be people who are members of of um, this new assembly. Um, so I almost did it, but I didn't. Did I? I'm good, right? No, no, no cats out of the bag there. All right, secret safe with me. So if you want to be a part of that, obviously see Jason. Um, food, we've, we've asked everybody to kind of um, kick it up a notch and, and um, bring some food today, and we're going to enjoy a meal together. Uh, we want to say from the outset, I want to say from the outset, did you guys get my lamb? Did a crock pot make it with the lamb in it? I made lamb today, and I can't find it. So if you want to come over to the house, I think um, lamb is available at my house later on today. Now we are kicking it up a little bit of a notch today. 
with food preparation. Uh, just keep in mind, though, we're not trying to put any pressure on you. If you feel uncomfortable about uh, making food, please bring peanut butter and jelly. Make the sandwiches right here. Um, I'm going to tell you something. Every time somebody at our church has brought peanut butter and jelly, there's none left. Kids love that stuff. Bring um, those little pizza pockets. You know, I can't stay out of those. Those are good stuff. Bring something that's simple. Bring something that, that, that you can make. If you want to make a gourmet salad, feel free. I'm not trying to say don't make good food. Um, um, and I'm not saying peanut butter and jelly is bad food. I'm going to sit down here real quick. I'm going to run through the rest of these announcements as I um, go. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Bring whatever you want. Bring enough to feed your family, maybe a little bit more if you can. Uh, we do have classrooms back here in the back, and we are um, renters. We rent this building, and um, our landlords have stuff here. We're trying to do our best to to um, cooperate using one one facility uh, together. So I'd just say, you know, if you've got kids running through the, the uh, shelves, pulling off books out of some of these rooms, let's just put them back, um, try to stay out of their cabinets and, and stuff like that, just trying to, to get along and be good renters. Uh, from this group. Um, cooking, I've already mentioned it, but there's an oven in the back, there's a microwave in the back. Um, I think Jeannie and Amanda will be back there in the kitchen. Um, so if you have any questions or anything like that afterward, I'm sure you can run it by one of them and um, they can help you. If somebody could go to my house and get my crock pot, um, that would be good. There, There is literature here at the back. And if you see signs that say free literature, take these. Don't. Um, that That is Seventh-day Adventist literature, and you will find that um, doctrinally very, very different from from us. We've actually covered them. If you can see them in the back, we've draped them with claws and, and things like that. But someday somebody will forget or the cloth will fall out. You know, we're not recommending that literature. Um, uh, we do not recommend Ellen White or, or, or any of the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, folks. So I just want to be clear on that. Most of all, is there anything I've forgotten that's real important? Um, there, There is, there, we, we do, I think we are going to have a good day today. If your children want to eat outside, um, feel free to let them do that. We're going to have a trash can outside. Um, again, to be good renters, we don't want to litter the landscape with um, paper plates and cups and forks and stuff like that outside, so make sure that they get into um, a receptacle. That would, that would be really helpful. Another thing, uh, especially with all the cars that we have here today, which is, which is um, a little bit even more than what we're used to, children playing um, outside scares me to death. So if you're going to back up in this parking lot, I mean, it is not worth it to back up without a spotter. Just have somebody spot you. Make sure that there's no children. As well, um, children run out in front of you very easily. I was driving down the street the other day to drop off my vehicle, and a little kid came running on a scooter and almost went out in front of me. I went down there, did my business, came back. Ten minutes later, came back up the street, and the same kid with their parents standing right there almost ran out in front of me again. They're children. Um, children don't do that. Um, but us as adults, just kind of watch each other's back as far as back and in and out. Yeah, for those of you that couldn't hear, Steve, there there is straw over here that they're planting grass. You know, might not be the best place to play. Also, another not not might not be the best place. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're pretty sure that's not what you said. Um, there is a big pot, a big campfire over here that where they've burnt the brush. So if you um, don't want to do ashes to ashes, dust to dust on your kid's face, um, then um, maybe you might want to stay out of there. The boundaries of our property here, 
are Willowwood Road, um, uh, Dry Hill Road. There's some woods down in here. Some of the kids like to play in the woods. I won't discourage that um, at your own risk. And back here at the back, there's, there's a little bit of yard. Also, it goes into the woods here. You know, I wouldn't go too deep into those woods. Um, but a few feet um, are okay for kids to play in down in there. Um, and you can kind of see that, the boundaries. But, um, you know, again, adults that are outside, watch those roads. Kids, stay away from the roads. Don't see how close to the roads you can get. Back away from the roads. Um, those are That is dangerous traffic, especially on Dry Hill. But we've seen a lot of folks fly up and down Willowwood here too. So just have that on your radar um, to, to understand about children. Anything else that I've missed? Okay. It is with great pleasure. Today you're going to be hearing from uh, Moon, Jason, Andrew, and myself. Um, today we're going to each deliver um, smaller sermons about uh, the vision and direction of this new work that we're doing, that God is doing here among us. So... Um, if, if we'll probably each speak for about 45 to to an hour and a half. So um, there's coffee available in the back. So if you feel yourself nodding off, just um, hit the Joe. Moon, come and bless us, brother. Since I have the first 45 minutes, I may have your full attention, whereas everyone else may not get that. Um, what a monumental moment. And I don't use that word lightly. It's amazing to think that months ago, there were these two small churches that were struggling in their own way. And God, in his providential care, saw fit to bring them together. And I want you to know that I'm excited, elated, humbled, and privileged to be a part of this process with each and every one of you. And I want to briefly share where my excitement stems from, why I'm so excited. The story, the true story is told in a film called Remember the Titans. It's the true story of one of the first racially integrated high schools in Virginia. Alexandria, Virginia to be exact. And it's exciting because it tells about how people came together and gathered around a common interest, the common interest of football, and how that helped that integration process go along. And there's this scene where Coach Herman Boone is in the locker room with his players that are now consists of a team of black players and white players. And he says to them something like this. He says, okay, guys, we're getting ready to play such and such school. And like every other team in our conference, they are all white. They don't have to deal with race. We do. But we're all the better for it. As if to say, there are definitely some problems that we've had to kind of make our way through. There may have been some fears that we've had of each other that we've had to work through. There may have been some misconceptions that we've had about each other that we've had to work our way through, but we can now be one unit and we can now function as a better unit because we've rallied around a common interest. And this common interest has superseded and revealed itself to be much greater than our differences. The Apostle Paul does us a huge favor by not allowing us to grapple in the dark about what our common interest should be, needs to be. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I first preached to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it if you hold to the message 
I proclaim to you, unless you believed for no purpose. For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That, beloved, is why I'm excited, privileged, blessed to be a part of this because what an opportunity to rally around the common interest of the gospel and allow the common interest of the gospel to supersede our differences. And when Paul says, if you hold fast to the message, that's his way of assuring us that we're stewards of this thing called the glorious gospel. I reflect back on the people that kind of have passed through our midst at Living Truth Fellowship over our last three and a half years. People that have made their way into our church family, They've taken membership. Some of them haven't. But you begin to develop a love relationship with these people. And when these people leave the church, it really is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because you've developed such a strong relationship and such a strong bond with these people. But there's another reason that it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because it undermines and it weakens the testimony of the gospel. Now, if by chance it weakens the testimony of the gospel in the context of church separation or Christian separation, what an opportunity that we have before us to promote that very gospel as we come together. What an opportunity that we have to be very diligent in relation to the gospel as we come together. What an opportunity to be resolved and to be determined and to encourage each other in the good news of Jesus Christ. If that type of separation weakens the testimony of of the gospel, then what a grand opportunity exists before us as we commit to the whole of the gospel. The gospel is indeed the good news. We were indeed saved by grace. It is by grace you are saved. But the whole of the good news of the gospel suggests that in order for there to be good news, there had to first have been bad news. The bad news is that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. That's the depth of the bad news. The height of the good news is that while we were dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses, Jesus Christ came to us, showed His love toward us, in that dead state, and drew us into a love relationship with Himself. We, myself, all the other elders of this church, were committed to the whole of the Gospel. And because we believe and are committed and passionate to the whole of the Gospel, we believe that if the opportunity presents itself, a church should be named according to their commitment of the Gospel. You know, Living Truth Fellowship, it was peppered with meaning. For us, it just meant that here's a group of people trying the best that they can to serve the Lord, trying the best that they can to to pull the truth, the whole truth of God's Word, pull it up, bring it into life, and try to live it out. Try to That we would try to, the best we can in community, live truth out. And I'm sure that Providence Bible Church, I'm sure that it's peppered and flooded with meaning as well. Simply said, it would just suggest to me that it's a group of people that believe that God is in His sovereignty caring for them. And in His sovereignty, He is governing their lives. And then we take into account our commitment to rally around the whole of the Gospel and allow the whole of the gospel to be what we come together, that be the foundation that we come together on. Yes, beloved, we've chosen a name for the church. And we have chose to call the name, to keep the name, Providence Bible Church. We've chosen to keep that name because of the purity of the gospel, because we believe that God is sovereign over all things, He is sovereign over all of history. He is sovereign over all of the details of our lives. And He is sovereign over the salvation of men. Now, I want to say this. Keeping the name Providence Bible Church is not the result of a power struggle. 
okay? It's not the result of a power play. We did not break out into a wrestling match in Hamlet's office where he rose victorious and said, Providence Bible Church it is, although he may have a relevant size advantage. That didn't happen. <laughs> we did not... We did not play a game of biblical trivial pursuit where Andrew was the champion and him and Hamlet broke out into a chant, Providence. That didn't happen. We just decided, you know what? We want to keep the whole of the gospel in front of these people. And we, if we can do that by choosing and clinging to this name, let's do that. And if anything, Hamlet would have been very reserved and saying, I don't know that we can do that. And with with great privilege, Jason and I were able to come together and say, you know what, we believe our people are mature enough to not view this as a hostile takeover. <laughs> so, guys, with great pleasure, we call ourselves Providence Bible Church because it's for the sake of the gospel. And it says there is something greater than us that we can rally around. Now, in addition to that, we did have a family in our um, church that said, I am so glad we're changing our name because people would come to me, specifically a lady in our church, who said, you know, people come and they say, what's the name of the church you go to? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, LTF? What is Oh, Living Truth Fellowship. Okay. She said, so now this name should be easier for us to remember. So, guys, listen. The only thing I can say is, there has to be something. There has to be something that's at the center that we can come together and we can rally around. I believe Scripture would point us to the fact that it is indeed the gospel and the whole of the gospel. Amen? Love you guys so much. Look forward to the journey that God has ahead for us. Good morning. There are a lot of people in this room, and that's awesome. That's really, really good to get to address one church this morning. I think God's doing something exciting. I want to read to you. I've got written across the top of my page seven minutes, so we'll see how I do. But that's what's written there. Um, I want to read to you from Ephesians 2, 12 through 22. Turn there in your Bibles if you would. Because Paul speaks to us. Here's what he says, Ephesians 2, 12-22. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I love that phrase, killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Those are exciting words. It recaps what Moon just said. The gospel is central. There's a story that's good, that God is telling in history, through all of history, that we're part of. We're not the whole story, but we're part of the story that's happening. And we're an exciting part. Paul's particular context was that he was writing to people who were mostly Greek, and they were being uh, there was there was some contention 
in the congregation between the Jews and the Greeks. And Paul was saying, you got to remember who you are. you got to remember who you are. Now, most of us, I would take it, probably descend from the Gentile part of that. Um, and, and so he's speaking to us. We were cut off. We were without hope. We had no hope. There was hostility between us and God. Why? Because of our sin. We put that hostility there. We chose hostility. But now, in Christ, he broke down the dividing wall. He abolished the law. He reconciled us to God. And he killed the hostility. That's amazing. That's our story. That's the story that's happening in our lives. If you're a believer, the hostility is killed. That's amazing. The hostility is killed. I'm so excited for what God is doing in us. I'm excited for the opportunities that we're going to have. I'm excited about a lot of this stuff. I, I have to confess to you guys, I'm a pretty nervous person. This morning I was making cinnamon rolls. I'm the kind of person that's so nervous that, you know, they were in a can. I wasn't making them from scratch or anything. I mean, give me a break. They're in a can. And I'm the kind of person that when you pop, you know, you press that spoon on that seam and it pops, I jump about a mile. I hate that part. I'm nervous about it. I get worked up. Um, the first time that we met, you know, Hamlet, Moon, Jason and myself, I was equally kind of, I was waiting, it was like I was putting that spoon on the seam and I was waiting for it to pop. I didn't know what was going to happen. God has provided rich unity. God has provided willing, humble spirits. God has provided what we needed to get to this day where we're all sitting here in one room, gathered around one Lord, Jesus Christ. I'm excited about a lot of the little things that we're going to get to do. I'm excited about about what we're going to do with the kids on Sunday mornings. I'm excited about starting to do some things for the teenagers. We're going to have fun. It's going to be great. I'm excited about having the opportunity to reach out into the community and hopefully serve vulnerable people, hurting people, with the message of Jesus. Because our world needs it. Southern West Virginia needs it. And we have it. Look at how many of us there are. We've got tremendous opportunities in front of us. So I'm excited. I want to encourage you to be excited too. We're going to have opportunities to get to know each other better in cell groups. Please engage with that. We're going to have opportunities to serve each other, to serve the community. Please enter into being the church. Be the church. But most of all, I'm excited about our King, Jesus. The story He's telling in our life, the transformation that occurs when you know Him, when He saves you, when you believe. It's an amazing thing, and it's an amazing thing that happens not just to an individual, but it happens to us in community. So, as I am changed, you are changed. As you are changed, I am changed. And by growing our community, we simply grow the opportunities for that to happen. So I'm excited. Draw near to Christ. If you feel far off, He will draw you near. Have you ever felt alienated from God because of your sin? I have. Jesus kills the hostility. Kills the hostility. He reconciles all to God. We were separated with no hope. That was all of us, everyone in this room. But in Christ, we have hope. That's the central central theme. We have hope. We're redeemed. Draw close. Celebrate the victory that Jesus won on your behalf. We're no longer strangers and aliens. We're fellow citizens growing into the holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that's not the room that we're in. That's each of us. That's exciting. I hope the excitement is infectious. God is at work in His people. And we are God's people. Be excited. Join in. Jason.
If I had any kind of rhythm at all, I'd do that We Are the Titans thing. you know. Where but I don't, so I won't, okay? Let me ask you a question, especially you younger ones. Anybody know what the five W's and an H is? Does that ring a bell with anybody? Huh? Five W's and an H? Uh, Andrew knows, but who, what, when, where, why, and how, okay? The five W's and an H. Now, that's a fantastic way to study the Bible. You should ask those questions as you're reading, as you're going through, and it's a great way to live life, too. I believe the people who live the best lives ask the best questions. As you're going along, you're asking, why is this happening? Who is this person in front of me? You're asking that stuff all the time. And hopefully, through this process of bringing these two congregations into one, you've been asking those types of questions. I hope that you've been asking those types of questions. Now, I think four of them are easy to answer. Who? Living Truth Fellowship and Providence Bible Church. So that's the who question. What? It's a church merger. I really wanted to call the church the merge, but just we couldn't we couldn't work it out. But um, the when question today Cinco de Mayo. Of course, we did that so we could celebrate Mexican independence together. Um, and where? Uh, here in this building and in homes across our communities. So in my mind, those are the easy questions to answer. And and that brings up the last two, which I think are harder questions to answer. Which are what? What's left? Why and the H. How? Thank you. I heard it over here somewhere. Who said that? John, my man. So, how and why? How's the question we've been asking over the course of a couple months now as elders of a church that didn't exist yet? How are we going to do this? How's it going to look? How can we make it happen? How is God going to do this? And I, I will say this up front. It has been an absolute joy to sit down with these three men over the course of these last couple months and just watch God work the how out. And there were some Mondays that I was going in kind of nervous, kind of thinking, okay, I know what we're going to talk about today. This could be a bloodbath. This could be, you know, this could be rough. Hamlet's going to wrestle and he's going to win because that's just how he is. I think I could take him, by the way. Um, but how should it look? But it's been a joy. It's been a joy to sit down with Moon and Andrew and Hamlet and work through these questions. And listen, we've got a long way to go before we answer the how question completely. And just like they said, things will change, guys. It's going to, the how part will work itself out over a long period of time. So we didn't quite finish answering that question, but it's been a pleasure to this point hammering this stuff out. And there's the paperwork stuff, the doctrinal stuff, the practical stuff, the cell group stuff, the music stuff, the money stuff, the children's stuff, the youth group stuff, the strategy stuff, the format stuff, the people's feelings stuff, and stuff, and stuff, and more stuff. And we've talked about a lot of it. And again, we're not done, but we've talked about a lot of it. And there have been ups and downs, doubts and fears, anxieties, hopes, dreams, ambitions, uncertainty. But let me tell you what. I really think the how question has been settled in seeing that there's been a whole lot of love as we've worked these things out. I've come to love these three men more than I did before. I didn't really know Andrew much at all. Uh, I knew Hamlet's son. Of course, Moon and I have been yoked up for a long time, haven't we? Um, but there's been a lot of love, man, just to walk into a counseling room and every man in the room hug you. I'm not much of a hugger myself, but I'm becoming one. And add to the fact that Hamlet Smith is the best smelling man in the world. <laughs> I walk around smelling like Hamlet Smith the rest of the day, so that's, that's, uh, that's been a pleasure. <laughs> um, we're not recording this, are we? <laughs> I've never said that to you in public, but anywho, um, the how will not be worked out for a long time, and we'll refine it and rework it, and then probably throw the baby in the bathwater out and start again. But I wholeheartedly believe that I can and you can trust these men. I really believe that. Um, I believe you can trust them to lead in love and serve in selflessness, which is the ultimate answer to the how question for all of us. We will we will progress how. Will progress in love and selflessness, okay, and cologne. So, so that brings us to the last question: Why? And really, guys, I, I, that's the hardest question to answer here. Why in the world would we undertake this? Why? Why would we 
try to take two groups and make them into one, why wouldn't we just leave better off alone and keep on going? Let me give you a couple reasons why. I, I couldn't think of how to word this. couple of reasons that aren't reasons, that aren't wise, okay? Um, and that's kind of hard to say. Does that make sense? Let me give you a, two reasons at least that aren't reasons why we're doing this. That's still tough. Anyway. Um, first, it's not about numbers. We're not joining up so we'll have more people. That's a poor motivation. Uh, we're not we're not interested in, in the bodies, bucks, and buildings mentality. That's not why we're merging. Um, numbers are not necessarily bad, but if it's all you're worried about, it is bad. So numbers are not a reason why we're joining together. We're not looking to build a big group so that we can say we had a have a big group. And I've had to search my heart on this issue because coming from uh, New Covenant Church, both in Beckley and in Hohenwald, Tennessee, and then coming back to Beckley and then going to Living Truth Fellowship, I've been a part of some really small groups. And I've had to search my heart to make sure that numbers isn't a reason why I'm doing this because I could easily fall into that trap. Um, I've been frustrated in my time as a pastor, an elder, and a music guy at the size of the groups that I've ministered to. And I'm just being honest with you. You show up some Sundays and there's two or three families and you're going, Really? So, but numbers is not a reason. That's not why we're here. Not once have we said, well, we'll have more people this way. Another reason that's not a reason we're doing this is convenience. This has not been a pragmatic, whatever seems to work best type of decision. Okay, we're not going to be pragmatic in this. Just laying low, let what happens happen would have been much easier than doing what we're doing today. So why? Why are we here with this group of people today doing what we're doing? If you've got a Bible, I believe we can find the answer in Psalm 133. I've always wanted to speak on this passage, and today God gave me an opportunity to do that. Psalm 133. It's three big, long verses, long. Um, and I'll give you time to get there. But I love this psalm. I love it. And I wasn't sure exactly what it meant until I sat down and looked at it a little bit. I don't have that seven-minute thing on top of my page. I'm almost done. I'm just kidding. Psalm 133. I'll read the entire psalm. Take a deep breath. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. A quick look at this short psalm gives us two good reasons why we are venturing into this together. And the first reason is, and it's already been touched on, is unity. Verse 1 makes it clear that it is good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. I believe the cry of the body of Christ is unity. I believe the body of Christ cries out in our day and says, why are we not united? Jesus prayed in John 17 that God would make us one even as He and the Father are one. He also said that the world would know that we're His disciples by the love that we have for one another. I don't know about you, but I want to be with the ones that I love as much as possible. We'll always have things that we have to agree to disagree about. That'll happen. And in this room this morning, we're going to have to agree to disagree about some things. But that doesn't make building our walls and lobbing angry words over them okay. We're better together than we are apart. Ephesians 4.13 puts forth unity as a sign of maturity when it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So unity is our first why. And the second is a little under the surface of verse 3 of Psalm 133. I love this. Verse 3 of Psalm 133 says, It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion! Exclamation point which is not inspired, but I like it there. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, for about 60% of the year, Mount Hermon is covered with snow. And when that snow starts melting, when the dew is thick on this mountain, the runoff, which is really the main supply to the Jordan River, comes to Mount Zion, the very mountain of God. And what does it bring with it? What would this runoff bring with it? Starts with ale and rhymes with wife. It brings life. This runoff brings life. 
The life-giving dew is vital to the crops and livestock of the beloved city, and without it there is no fruit. And that's our second why. We are coming together to see fruit. The second sentence of verse 3 says that the Lord has commanded blessing where there is unity, and that blessing is life forevermore. This life is obtained from the fruit that we bear in and out of our unity. The Lord has commanded that unity leads to fruit, and that fruit is life. And guys, this is our most pressing why reason. We will be known as Christ's disciples by the fruit that we bear, and that fruit is not for your own consumption. If you ever walk by an apple tree and see it eating its own apples, you know something is horribly wrong, right? That tree exists to bear fruit for other people, not for itself. We exist as a church, as a group of people, to bear fruit for the good of other people, both in this group and out there. We have to bear fruit. I have to bear fruit for you guys. You have to bear fruit for me. And that's the way this thing we call the Christian life works. And we are better at this together than we are apart. We will see an abundance of fruit when we come together in unity. We will be known as Christ's disciples by the fruit that we bear, and that fruit is not for our own consumption. We have a much greater chance of blessing far more people with our fruit if we're walking in unity together and bearing fruit as a result. Guys, there's a lost and dying world that needs the fruit of God, and He has chosen to bear that fruit through us. Let's link arms, let's link hearts, let's link shoulders, and guys, let's spend ourselves in order to reach God's world with, with His truth as we walk in His unity and produce His fruit. And that's a pretty good reason why. I want to reread that psalm in light of that, and I'll be finished. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And listen to the blessing that God would have for Providence Bible Church today. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Good words, men. But there is a reason I went last. No, I'm just kidding. But I will point out that the, 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 the perfume is the oil, and it runs down Aaron's beard, okay? So there's a lot of cologne. That's biblical right there. It's not my fault being the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. Um, as some of you know, I, I do do an office job, so I spend a lot of time sitting um, and um, drinking coffee. So I love it when I get an opportunity on Saturdays to uh, get out and get my chainsaw out. It kind of like helps me deal with like my manhood stuff, you know, like make me feel like I'm, I've got a, some, a man in there somewhere. Um, so I cut stuff down and, you know, tell kids, Bring that over here, and kind of like I'm a foreman, you know, like I'm in charge or something. But um, you know, I was I was burning my my brush fire yesterday, and the the, the strangest thing happened. I I ended up I st- tried to start a fire over here, and it, it was the first brush fire I've really had this year. So all the brush that was sitting there just woof, you know, and burned really quick and. Really hot and really, really fast. Um, and then it kind of settled down. And when it settled down, it settled down into two two separate fires. And um, so I, I, I guess I just wanted one, one big fire. So I painstakingly took my foot and scraped it. Um, and I say painstakingly at times. Pushing that fire closer and closer together. Um, Till finally, I I I got it got it got it all together. I did notice that along the way, some of the coals would fall out as I was scooping that fire closer and closer together. Um, I really hope that as we um, 
put these two assemblies that you're not a coal that falls out. Because the coals that fall out by themselves um, quickly go out. But when you put coals together and to one big fire, it burns hot. And actually, I told the kids, you know, wait about an hour and we'll do marshmallows. And um, Joe was pretty excited about doing s'mores. And and let me, but let me ask you a question, Joe. How hot was that fire even after an hour? It's pretty hot, wasn't it? He said it was about a hundred. I think actual temperature was a little hotter than that. We're trying to roast marshmallows like this, you know, sneaking in there real quick and getting them in there and getting back out and kind of resting. Another thing I noticed, and I've said this before about fire, you can do your best to organize a fire. And if anybody's been around me in fires, they know I do my best to try to organize a fire. Uh, fire is very important to me. Um more important probably than it should be. But I really like to have a good fire going. But I'm going to tell you something. You can do all kinds of hard work. And I've, I've, I've been embarrassed that I've walked away from fires that have just gone out. I don't ever like to do that. But I just couldn't get it going. The, the branches were too wet. The conditions weren't right. Um, as try as I might, I couldn't keep those fires together. But I'm going to tell you something about yesterday. Something that was interesting was there was a huge wind that came through after I had those fires together. And you know what happens when wind hits a fire? Well, it goes out if the fire is small, that's true. But it just, it grows. I'm going to tell you something. We can spend all the time in the world organizing, planning, putting together committees, putting together ministries. We can do cell groups or small groups or argue about the name to call the things that we're trying to care for each other in. We can do a lot of work. And I'm going to tell you something. If the Spirit, if God, doesn't blow through here, it's going to be... It's going to be worthless. So if I could encourage you as a, as a, as a congregation to do anything is pray for the Spirit to move here among us. And, and that's not safe. Actually, it's kind of scary to me. Um, but if this is going to build hot and strong and long, it'll be because the Spirit does it. I want to reference this piece of visual art we have up here at the front. This is um, a quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, or 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the end of chapter 12, Paul says, and I'll show you a more excellent way. And he goes to describe love. Some of the things that he said in that passage was, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, the world knows a lot about love. You can't go to a movie without watching a love story that's in there. We love it. I mean, we love love. We're in love with love. But let me say something. First John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. He also says, Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And he that loveth not God knoweth not God because God is love. We're not going to be able to love each other unless we get that love first from God. So I want this to serve as a visual reminder of the importance in a transition, in a merger, in a unifier. I like the fact that, you know, 
that um, while our, our, our habit is mostly splitting, that we're going against that and we're unifying. I'd love to see us do it more. You know, we're going to have to deal with these people in eternity. Might as well start getting ready to deal with them now. Um, unity is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love the picture that you painted for us, Jason, of, of that. Um, we are one loaf, one body. We are Providence Bible Church. And my two things to encourage you just in, in conclusion is to pray for the Holy Spirit to light our fire together. And the way He will do that is through love. They will know that you are Christians by your love. If you obey what I've commanded, that's the gel that molds us together. Jason, are you going to come back up? Thank you, guys. We're going to sing a song before we partake of the Lord's table together. So it's kind of set the the mood for that. And we've chosen to end our service with the Lord's table on purpose. To show that we're one loaf, one body. So we'll sing this song and Andrew will lead us in our time of uh, communion, Lord's table. So just let this prepare your heart. And we would ask that you, uh, that you stay seated during this song. So just let this prepare your heart for what we're about to do.
chosen very intentionally to end our service by taking communion together. When we take communion, we declare our unity with Christ, that we are with Him. We also declare our unity with each other, with the whole church, not just Providence Bible Church, but the whole church throughout history, the whole church that's in the world today, the whole church. I want to read you a couple passages just to underscore that. One of the commands from Paul to the Corinthians was that they wait for one another. We certainly want to do that. Hope everyone's been served. This is a picture um, you've seen at the beginning of a wedding or in the middle of a wedding, to the couple light a candle together to signify their unity. Christ actually left his disciples with this as a commitment. In Matthew, he says, after instituting the Lord's Supper, he says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So as we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes, and we know that when he comes... He's going to do it with us. It's a great celebration. Here are Paul's instructions. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's pray, and then we'll sing, and then we'll be done. God, our Father, we are thankful for the gift of your Son, Jesus, for the redemption you've given us through it. Thank you for bread and juice that remind us of the broken body and blood of Christ. We could never atone for our own sins, but you provided the perfect lamb, and you killed the hostility between us and you. Thank you. Thank you for your glorious gospel. Thank you for your great love for us. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes to each other and to the whole world. We love Jesus. Amen. Lord, we
may the God of all grace comfort and equip you and keep you. And as we share this time of food and fellowship and time, may you love and serve and equip one another. And may the Lord cause His countenance and His face to shine upon you. In the blessed and holy name of Jesus Christ.